just as I was driving over here this evening, I noticed that I was starting to have a, have a tickle in my throat. It just happened as I was driving over, so I didn't bring anything to kind of use to moisten my throat. So I might um, <clears throat> have to be clearing my throat a little bit. Not, I don't know if I could talk and suck on it at the same time, but <laughs> thank you for offering it. <laughs> Maybe I'll take it for after. <laughs> I'm very aware um, of that of what you're looking at, you know, behind me. I don't. See, I see the Buddhas over here, you know. You see the the Buddha statues back here, but it's very exalted. There's a, another place that I teach, another monastery I teach at in New Zealand that has uh, even a twi- three times as much of this behind me when I teach it. And it's always a <laughs> quite humbling, really. <laughs> So I want to first say that, you know, because I'm here with James's uh, Sangha that's been here for a very long time. James has been teaching in Berkeley and also in the Bay Area for a very long time. And I know that because um, in 1979, when James taught his very first uh, meditation class, I was in it. And... Um, he was he was just beginning then, and uh, he was starting. Uh, he had a little sitting group in San Francisco where he lived, and um, we both lived in San Francisco at the time. And so, after I did the introductory class, I wanted to have a sitting group. So it was at his house. I went over to his house, and um, it was him, his roommate, and me. <laughs> And that's how we started <laughs> back in those days. That, that's all that was happening in San Francisco back in 1979, that sitting group. Me and James and his roommate, John, John Amadeo. And, uh, you know, and then it, <laughs> over the years things started to grow. So um, James was my first teacher, and I'm really proud of that. He has such a wonderful, joyful deep, wise person. So I've, I feel really happy to be able to come here tonight after all these years, you know, all these years we've been um, planting seeds and fertilizing the Dharma. All of us, all of us now over these years. So James is very, very, very deep in my heart. Very dear friend. And I think he's deep in meditation at the moment over at the Forest Refuge, so... So I was reflecting on where we might all be at tonight, you know, these couple of days before Christmas. And what I hear often from people is that people are feeling a little overwhelmed, you know, with all the activity and the holidays and the end of the year and, you know, maybe even a little stressed. You know, sometimes we think that these, you know, there's this image or this appearance that Holidays are this time of joy and celebration and uplift, but yet there's this shadow side or this underbelly side that also needs to be acknowledged. I'm just wondering, how many people here just feel some of that overwhelm? I'm just wondering. Oh, yeah, there's about half of you. And maybe some stress, huh? Yeah, and it, it's just <laughs> stress, maybe stress, maybe that's a better word. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, so it's really good to come here 
and to stop. You know, when I think of meditation, I just the, the way I think of it now is just stopping. It's it's a I don't I'm not so interested in the kind of experience. I'm not like looking for a particular kind of experience in meditation, but rather one it's more of one of stopping the momentum of the habit, the momentum of that driven kind of energy. You know, we just we stop. So when we sit down and we still the body or bring the bo- settle the body, there's a stopping. Even though the mind, you know, we know the mind is still running that karmic stream. The mind has, that's where the karmic stream manifests, is through our thoughts and our beliefs and our ideas and the, all those uh, uh, desires running through the mind. So, but yet we're not acting that out. When we stop, we're settling the body quieting the body, calming the body, and hopefully calming the mind. Generally, that takes a little bit longer, but perhaps we can feel a certain amount of acceptance in the fact that our mind is racing off or running off or planning all these things or thinking about what happened earlier in the day or all the things we have to do or things that are going to happen. And we just recognize that's part of the beingness, that's part of what it is to be a human being, is that we have many, many, many thoughts running through our mind. And, and not only thoughts, but feelings, that kind of the agitation or the nervousness, the unsettledness. But the, but the meditation, when we actually do stop like we did this evening and, and start to still the body, we are interrupting, interrupting that momentum that that what I what is what what I call the karmic stream all the things that are being set in motion from the past into the present into the future so 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 important these times of stopping you know sometimes we have the chance to stop like this we can come together as a community, as a group and support each other in the stopping. Sometimes it's easier when we're with a group Sometimes when we're alone and that, that energy and that sort of drivenness starts to arise in us, we, we, we want to sit, but it's like, but I've got I to gotta go do this thing, or but this is so important. Or, and then we find the body starting to rise up, right? We're just like rising up and we start moving. But we're, but you're supposed to, we're supposed to sit, I'm supposed to stay here, you know? So... Sometimes it's easier, too, when we have a group of people and, you know, we say, okay, we're going to stay here for a little while. I ha- there's this um, little story that I found. Maybe you've heard this, but I really like the way this um, talks about this stopping. Um, and it's um, somebody who is explaining stress management. It says, a lecturer when explaining stress management to an audience, raised a glass of water and asked, how heavy is this glass of water? Answers called out ranged from a fraction of a pound to a pound, and the lecturer replied, the absolute weight doesn't matter. It depends on how long you try to hold it. If I hold it for a minute, that's not a problem. If I hold it for an hour... I'll have an ache in my right arm. 
If I hold it for a day, you'll have to call an ambulance. In each case, it's the same weight, but the longer I hold it, the heavier it becomes. He continued, and that's the way it is with stress management. If we carry our burdens all the time, sooner or later, as the burden becomes increasingly increasingly heavy, we won't be able to carry on. Kind of feels like that sometimes. The burdens just weigh on us. He says, as with the glass of water, you have to put it down for a while and rest again before holding it. Put it down for a while. When we're refreshed, we can carry on with the burden. It may not go away, but at least we put it down. We put it down. And so when we put it down, we get that release, and there's a way we can then feel refreshed, kind of this refreshment. And we talk about mindfulness as a refreshment. It's a way that this stopping, stopping. See, it's mindfulness stopping with attention, stopping with consciousness, that we're, we're aware that we're stopping. We're, we, we have that, uh, that wise intention to just stop and put things down and, and feel into the body, feel into the breath, take some breaths. Let it go. Let it go. And when we talk about our burdens, we're only talking about the thinking mind, right? It's all the things we think about, we think about and dwell on and repeat in the mind again and again and again. That's what feels heavy. And so the meditation or the mindfulness, as we know, kind of helps us let it go for a little while. Let it go. But again, it's, it's in the intention. We have this intention, this wise, called a wise intention to let go, to put things down, to stop. I, want to talk, I, wanted, I felt like it would be helpful to talk about this and you just kind of remind us, really remind us during this holiday season this time of, of, of activity. Many of us are engaged in a lot of activity. The New Year, you know, even uh, Ernie talking about the New Year's Eve party at Spirit Rock, you know, the big bash, you know. I mean, it's, you know, not that many of us will necessarily go to a big bash. I mean, I don't. I'm, I'm usually sitting at Spirit Rock for the New Year's retreat because that's what, uh, what I do each year is I, I lead that retreat at Spirit Rock. So I'll be up on the hill and we'll be sitting in silence, <laughs> ringing the bell, uh, the big gong bell at, at, at Spirit Rock 108 times at midnight. And that's what I like, you know, just the silence and just hearing the monastery bell reminding me of what's really important, what's really valuable in my, in my life. And so this, this reminding us that we, with, with intention, with intention, at any time we can stop. Stop this, this momentum of the busyness or the activity, or, or even if it's a social, even if we're, we're in a social gathering and it all feels like a little much for us, you know, we can just kind of, just maybe walk out for a moment or two and just get some fresh air and just kind of breathe a little bit. This wonderful refreshment, you know. I think it was Coca-Cola that took the slogan, it has the slogan, the pause that refreshes. 
But actually, <laughs> it's mindfulness. Mindfulness is the pause that refreshes. Just that, that, that out-breath, taking that deep breath. I mean, this is, we have this resource right here. Right here, this breath. You know, I mean, when I started my meditation practice in, you know, the first years and, you know, following the breath and feeling the breath, it's like, ah, the breath already, you know. I'm sick of the breath. I don't like the breath. You know, I didn't want to have to narrow my attention to the breath all the time. But now the breath for me is my greatest ally. I love the breath. I love the breath. I love that at any moment I can just feel the expansion and contraction of my chest, of my body, my torso, and just feel that deep connection with my body. And just bring my mind into my body and just rest for even an instant, even a moment. Feel my feet on the ground and breathe. It's my, my, save, my lifesaver, is that I, know, that I have that resource. And through the years, through the years of cultivating the awareness of breath, which always was um, part of the formal meditation practice so that my mindfulness would be stronger, I would be more calm, more clear, I could attend to what's happening. But now for my daily life, for my integration into daily life, so important, so valuable. So this, this mindfulness... Mindfulness and this intention of, ah, we can do this at any moment, anywhere. And I want to talk a little bit about this intention, this wise intention, this wisdom, because in a way, we're cultivating this wisdom, wisdom. And we cultivate the wisdom through this mindfulness and this concentration, this Uh, 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 attention, mindful attention to what's happening in the moment, focusing our awareness towards something particular like the breath or the body or stopping or meditating. We're just taking those qualities, those factors of mindfulness and concentration, and those, that is the vehicle for wisdom. Sometimes we might think that mindfulness is where this is all, what this is all about, that we just want to be more mindful, be more mindful, be more mindful. But that isn't actually what, these, what the Buddha's teachings are about. That's only a vehicle. The Buddha's teaching is about the cultivation of wisdom, the deepening of this, what might be called is prajna, prajna in Sanskrit. And prajna is the higher mind. Uh, pra, pra is higher or superior, uh, na is uh, consciousness or mind or understanding. So when we talk about wisdom, we're talking about the higher mind, the higher consciousness, the superior mind, wisdom mind, sometimes even called the altruistic mind, that mind that is turned towards the good, towards the wholesome, towards the skillful, towards uh, towards, towards awakening, towards liberation, that mind that is turned. And so, like coming here tonight, 
just even coming here tonight, this is a manifestation of your higher mind, the mind that turns towards this cultivation of mindfulness and concentration and connection towards this liberation, towards this freedom. So this, so, so this wisdom, this is something that I'm more and more interested in, is what this really is and what this really means. Because it's this wisdom or prajna that illuminates, that illuminates consciousness, that is bright, that, is, uh, that illuminates what's true and what's real. It is able to discern to discern what is good or what is helpful, what will lead us to more happiness and contentment, and what won't, what is an obstacle, what gets in the way. This is really so much what the Buddha's teaching is about, is this wise discernment. That's another way of talking about wisdom, is this discerning mind around how we can then begin to direct our uh, intention so that our life is one of much more happiness and more contentment and more ease, more openness, more healing, more transformation. So the Buddha says that there's three things that we need to pay attention to, three things we need to discern. And you, you know, the Buddha's great with his lists, right? All these lists. So it makes it really specific what we're supposed to be paying attention to. So he says we pay, we need to discern when our mind is turned towards attachment, when we're getting caught or identified in some uh, greed or um, wanting, attaching, holding. And then when we notice that, he said, when we can discern that, then see if you can actually turn the mind towards letting go or renunciation or sometimes what we talk about is wise restraint, how to restrain ourselves from the, the habit of attachment. It's also a good thing to remember, too, at this time when, at holidays, when we're perhaps around much more indulgences, and uh, we may be uh, involved in more of this uh, desiring mind, And it's good to discern whether we're getting caught in some kind of compulsion or addiction or the desire is taking hold or we're getting caught in these habitual ways of being. And we discern this. This is the wisdom, the wisdom mind, the mindfulness, the concentration that can begin to say, oh, yeah, I'm getting caught in this. I need to pull back. I need to let go. I need to practice more renunciation around this. So it also brings in this kind of reflection, a way we, not through the mindfulness and directing our attention, we can also reflect, reflect on what's helpful here, what's needed here. So one thing to discern is the attachment. Another thing that the Buddha says we need to discern wisely is when the mind is moving towards ill will, towards um, aversion, or towards judgment, or ways that we begin to uh, think or act in ways that are hurtful towards ourselves and other people. And if we notice that our mind is inclining in those ways, then we want to discern that, and then through intention, through wise intention, 
then see if we can pull back into what the Buddha says is the antidote, which is metta, or loving kindness. To bring in some kindness when we notice that. Maybe the first thing is the kindness towards ourselves. But then the kindness towards maybe the other person or the situation that we're feeling this ill will towards. Can we practice? This is the practice. This is where, where the... Uh, what we're engaged in, in is called a practice. We pay attention and we are engaged. We are actively participating in this transformation of our mind and our heart. Prajna, we talk about uh, consciousness. Prajna is the higher mind or higher consciousness. But in Sanskrit, mind and heart are the same. The word for mind and heart. So when we talk about mind, we're not just talking about the thinking mind or the the mental activity, but we're talking about the movement of the heart as well. When the mind drops into the heart and the way we feel and we perceive and we uh, connect, what's happening in the heart? And so when we talk about discerning ill will, then when we can pay attention to that and turn the mind towards more kindness, we are transforming the heart. We're transforming the mind towards goodness, towards kindness, towards freedom, towards liberation. We can engage, we can actively participate in this way. So attachment, ill will, the third thing that the Buddha said we need to discern and pay attention to so that we can actively engage in this, shifting this karmic stream or this karmic momentum that I was mentioning earlier, is cruelty. So attachment, ill will, and cruelty, which really is an intensification of the ill will. It's when we get you know, even more caught in it where then the speech and the actions are actually cruel. Cruel, really hurtful, harming. Where we're harming ourselves or another person. It's a kind of violence, a violence that all of us have seeds. We have seeds of that violence in our own mind, and we see it all around. We see it in the culture, in the world, this terrible, really uh, very strong karmic patterns of this uh, cruelty. And so the Buddha said, when we see this, when, this is, when there's a strength of this pattern in the mind, then we discern this wisely, then we can turn the mind or... Uh, uh, shift the mind into compassion. So the antidote for that is, the, is compassion. And, and it really is non-attachment. Like non-attachment, when we're not caught in that, is renunciation or letting go. Non-ill will, when we're not caught in the non-ill will, when that's turned, it is loving kindness. One manifestation of that is loving kindness. When we're not caught up in the cruelty, it's non-cruelty, the absence of cruelty. That's how the, Buddha, the Buddhist texts talk about the absence of or non, non-cruelty, is compassion. It's a movement of the compassionate heart. And so we're cultivating, then we're cultivating this beautiful expression of wisdom, a way of living wisely with renunciation, with loving kindness, and with compassion which is the manifestation of wisdom. This is what the Buddha's teachings are cultivating. How to live a wise and compassionate life. 
And I think it's really what we all long for. You know, it's what the heart really longs for because that is the experience of happiness, of contentment, of freedom, of vitality, of awakeness. That is the expression of an awake mind. So this is what we want. (laughs) This is what we want. So the Buddha actually gives us very specific instructions. You know, very, inst- very specific to wisely discern what's happening, the movements of the mind, the movements of the heart, the movements that then go into speech and action in which we can stop at any moment. You know, that's what's so wonderful is with awareness, we can just say, ah, I'm going a little too far with this, I've got to stop. And we can just push that pause button. You can just push the stop button anytime, anywhere. Unfortunately, we cannot push the delete button. There is no delete button. That is not something that we have been given. So that's the karma. Once things have been set in motion, they've been set in motion. And we're going to feel the consequences of that. But we can push the pause button. We've got that one at our fingertips when there is awareness. This is a quote from David White. Anyone aware of the poetry of David White? The man is brilliant. He's just wonderful. If you don't know about David White, somebody you might want to look up. He says, You can move the pivot of your existence away from a feeling of besiegement in life towards engaging with creation in such a way that you realize it is a place of revelation and healing. The healings may be fierce, and the healings may almost kill you, but the world is somehow constantly telling us that we belong to a much larger wholeness than we can make for ourselves at any one time. We belong to a much larger wholeness than we can imagine. And so the Buddha is saying, yes, This is what is true. Not only do you belong to that wholeness, you are that. You are that wholeness. You are a full manifestation of that nature, of that dharma. And so because we don't recognize that necessarily, we don't know that necessarily, or maybe we do sometimes, but we forget other times, then we can work with it. We can actively engage through this t- with this transformation, we can actively engage in our practice and transform and heal our, ourselves. This is one of the, these are called the powers, they're called spiritual powers. The first spiritual power is faith. And we have to have some kind of confidence or some kind of trust that this is true, that we really can transform ourselves and transform the world. We can transform the world by transforming our own consciousness. This is faith. So faith is the first spiritual power, which then as we start to engage in what we have trustful confidence in, this is what brings energy, which is the second spiritual power. We feel the vitality. We feel the energy to move forward in the direction that we are interested in, that we are excited about. We feel energy and vitality. That's a power. 
And then as we feel the, the trustful confidence and the energy, this gives rise to the awake mind where we can be mindful. Mindfulness is awake. So that's the third spiritual power is mindfulness. The fourth spiritual power is concentration where we then get more focused on that intention. The, this case, transformation or healing or awakening. So that the, the power, the energy, the mindfulness, the concentration, mind starts to becoming very one-pointed in our intention, our task. And the, four, the fifth spiritual power is wisdom. That gives rise to wisdom. And then we're in this cycle. It's, like a, it's, a, it's a wheel of power where we gain our power as human beings. And so all of this is what gives rise to this wise intention. Where are we placing our intentions? Because every moment, every moment, there is a moment of inc- where the mind is inclining in some way. There's something we're intending. Right now, in this moment, right as you sit here, there's something that you're intending. You're either intending to listen or maybe you're intending not to listen, or maybe your mind is pulling you. Maybe you're not intending and you're just kind of uh, getting t- tired or your mind's going a little unconscious. Then that's, there's not really intention there, because at least awareness of intention, because you're a little bit dull or unconscious. But if there's consciousness there, you can be aware of the way that you're intending your mind. For me, I have a very strong intention to join you this evening, to be here with you this evening and, and offer some Dharma teachings that we can share in together and explore together. And with that intention, it brings the energy, the mindfulness, the concentration, and hopefully wisdom. <laughs> hopefully all this is going to lead to wisdom. But what the Buddha said, that if, this is all, if it's turned towards the good, if our intentions are turned towards the good, towards the wholesome, that is going to give rise to more wisdom. It is a natural law of the Dharma. So this is the way we begin to have the Dharma more in the center of our lives. The Dharma becomes in the center of our lives as we pay attention in this way, as we slow down, as we pause more, as we connect more, as we are mindful, as we focus, this gives rise to the possibility of some deep reflection, deep thoughtfulness. We can be very thoughtful in our lives. We can be considerate in our lives. We're not just kind of, you know, caught up in our random uh, conditioned activity and habits. We, we're actually connecting in a way that we are directing our, our thoughts and our speech and our action in a way that is going to bring about some, some result, some outcome that is welcomed. The results of having more um, renunciation and more loving kindness and more compassion, more wisdom, more mindfulness, more concentration in our lives. All of this is what we're cultivating. All of this is how the Dharma becomes in the center. I was just teaching a retreat a few weeks ago with two wonderful people, uh, Kitty Saro and Tanisara, who were in the Ajahn Chah 
uh, monastic community for many years, and now they've uh, disrobed and are lay teachers. And um, the name of our retreat was called Being Dharma. Being Dharma. So not only having Dharma in the center of your life, you are being Dharma. You are living, living these qualities, living these, this, this, this true expression of what the Dharma is, or what wisdom is, what compassion is. So I thought that maybe for um, uh, the last part of this um, offering, maybe we would um, do an exercise together where um, we can practice directing our mind in a very uh, uh, wholesome way, in a skillful way. And I thought perhaps maybe tonight we would do that around compassion. When I was thinking about, reflecting about how, uh, how I thought maybe we could practice this this evening, I don't know about you, but you know, during this hol- holiday season, I have a lot of people that I know who are not doing very well. You know, I have people, I have close people who are quite ill, um, people who are having a lot of e- economic difficulties, um, people, uh, my, my mother, who, who is still alive, her, um, her partner, who is 92, is in the hospital. He uh, went to the hospital yesterday. They found out he had pneumonia. Not good for a 92-year-old man to be in the hospital with pneumonia. He's there tonight. You know, it's, uh, you know, I'm sure that a lot of you have people who you are close to who could use some connection, um, a wish for your, uh, the wish of your compassion, the expression of your compassion for them. And also those who are really not so fortunate at this holiday season. You know, many beings, there's many beings in this world who are not so fortunate during this holiday season, who are less privileged than many of us are to uh, have all the abundance and all the goodness we have in our lives. It's not so easy. So I thought that maybe we would, as a, as a group, we could direct our intention uh, and our compassionate well-wishing to some some people this evening, just for a, for a little bit. And this was a way of actually collecting through the mindfulness, through the concentration, energy, uh, confidence that this means something, that this matters when we direct our compassion. Um, and this wise discernment of bringing some people to mind this evening. So maybe just let's... Uh, Let's do a little meditation, compassion meditation together for a bit. And as we do this, you know, when we do this collectively, there really is an energy field that gets created here. There's, it has so much power when people come together to direct their, um, their loving kindness and their compassion. It, it, it creates an energy field, kind of a vortex that does go out. It has a real power to impact not only ourselves and all the people who are together, but the people that we direct this towards. So I thought we would begin with just bringing in 
to our, our mind and our heart those people who are less fortunate than us this evening. We're collect- a collective sense of the beings now who are in some pain, who are in some suffering. Just bringing them into your heart now. Letting yourself be touched. Letting your heart be touched now. And with a simple phrase, extending a simple phrase of this compassion, may you be free of suffering and the roots of suffering. May your suffering be eased. May you know a deep sense of well-being. Thus directing the mind towards this compassionate wish that these beings, all these beings, may be relieved of their pain, of their sorrow. May you find ease in your heart. And let yourself breathe, breathing and open. And you may not even be directing your mind, but you may feel in your own being, in your heart, this wish at a feeling level, that you care. I care about your pain and suffering. May your suffering be eased. I'd like you to bring to mind one person now. Just one person who is not having such an easy time for whatever reason. Maybe if somebody isn't having a very difficult time, just somebody now who you would like to extend your compassion towards. And bring this person to mind, if you can, even imagining or seeing the image of this person. Their face, their eyes, their hair, their smile. Or maybe the feeling, this feeling of the person. And as you breathe, breathing into your heart, 
Repeating these words, letting them come in. May you be free of your suffering, the roots of suffering. May your suffering be eased. May you find ease in your heart. May you find peace. May you find healing. And if another person is coming to mind while you do this, just let that person come in too. There might be a few people who you want to let in now who are coming in now. May your suffering be eased. May you find peace. May you find healing. May you be free of your pain. Free of your sorrow. May you know a deep sense of well-being. And now include yourself in the compassion. And just taking a minute or two and saying some phrases, phrases that we've used, directing them to yourself. May I find ease in my heart. May I find peace. May I know a deep sense of well-being.
May all beings live with wisdom. May all beings live with compassion. May all beings know a deep sense of well-being. And may their heart be at ease. So we have about 10 more minutes. If anybody would like to add anything tonight, any comments, any questions, any um, of your own experience, um, anything you would like to offer this evening? Yes, please. Oh, let's use the, I guess we're going to use this. We have a mic for you to use. Okay, thank you. I think you need to turn it on. Um, I would like to ask um, to, to know how do we cul- cultivate um, wisdom in our daily life? Mm-hmm. How do we cultivate wisdom in our daily life? Yes. Well, that's actually what I was talking about this evening. It's actually through that. Uh, I, was, I was pointing to three specific things, like the bringing, really bringing the mindfulness to the thought pattern, the way that you're thinking. So, And it's not just the thought, because... Actually, when we're caught in some kind of pattern that is uh, bringing about our own pain or pain to other people or um, that is some kind of habitual drivenness, compulsiveness, we actually feel that in a kind of contracted way. We feel a sort of a tension. And that tension is muscular. We can actually feel the, the face or the forehead, the jaw, the jaw, a lot of us clench at the jaw, throat, the shoulders, we feel tightening in the shoulders, the tightening in the chest, tightening in the belly. I mean, is it ev- it's everywhere. <laughs> you know, it's just the way that the muscles, the muscular structure actually contracts. And so, and that's happening because of certain thought patterns and certain, uh, often many unconscious beliefs and uh, thought patterns. So we're trying to bring that all into awareness. This is the wisdom. The wise discernment is bringing as much as possible what's happening in the mind and the body so that when we actually notice that, we can bring a certain relaxation, that, which then brings the expansion and the letting go. So we let go of the thought. If you're dwelling in a certain thought of attachment to something or ill will or cruelty about somebody, you see if you can interrupt it. Stop. Pause. A great way to do that is through the body, through the breath, through the grounding, through the feet. Take that breath. And when we take that breath, there's already a way that the body loosens up. The muscles start to loosen. We, we, that tension, just one layer of it, not all the layers, because there's many, 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 many layers of this anxiety and fear and tension and contraction that makes us up who we are. But as soon as we do that, as soon as we take one conscious, mindful breath, we've already loosened up one layer. We've already let go at one level. At one level, that's the that's the that's the expression of the wisdom. 
That's the expression of the wisdom. And the more that we do that, that's what we're cultivating. That's an expression of compassion. It's an expression of wisdom. It's an expression of intention. It's all those different factors that I named. That's the cultivation of wisdom. It's very specific. It's very, very specific. That's what's so wonderful about this path is that it's not abstract and kind of esoteric and mystical. It is very like, you know, the rubber hits the road. (laughs) That's what this practice is about. Thank you. Yeah. Ajahn Chah, I had a quote here from Ajahn Chah. Um, He says... um, this great, our great elder, he said, mindfulness is practice for when life really hits. For when life really hits. Hmm? Pay attention. Pay attention. Of course, we are kind of woken up at those moments, but it's like there's something that we need to be paying attention to <laughs> in those moments. <laughs> yeah, what else is in the room? Yes. Well, I was really grateful for you mentioning the value of stopping. And one reason is that the first time I went on um, longer than a weekend retreat, I went on a six-night six retreat, I think. I don't know if I was especially mindful or um, concentrated, um, but it felt wonderful. And it, I was working at that time. Um, and took time off from work to do the retreat. But it felt like a real vacation. And sometimes when people say, well, you know, what kind of retreats have you had? I say, well, the first longer one, it really felt like a vacation. And I don't know, I've always felt like that's kind of a superfluous (laughs) thing to say. But um, I think it was really valuable that I really needed yeah. To stop, and I did the whole retreat schedule because I wanted to, um, but it felt like a wonderful yeah. vacation. Yes, that's and, it, and it, it, that is exactly in some ways. I mean, sometimes people don't have the kind of experiences on retreat that they would call it a vacation. It sounds like you know there there were probably some fairly pleasant things happening for you, but it's a it is a time of stopping, and it's 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 just that. Because we're we're in a momentum generally in our lives, and the wonderful thing about retreat, in a larger way, in a macro way, is we get to stop that whole thing for a while, and just rest. It's deeply resting, and that's what a holiday is. That's what a vacation is. In fact, my, one of my teachers, Hamid Ali, I'm, I'm involved in the diamond uh, uh, approach. Um, he talks about the the state of mind that we are cultivating as the vacation state. <laughs> to come, <laughs> to be able to experience ourselves more and more as if we're on vacation. <laughs> you know? so, so it is that. It gives us a very specific way of feeling into what that's like. Because we know what we usually feel like when we go on vacation. So, so that we can bring that through the memory and just sort of sense in, oh, that kind of mind state. Oh, yeah, that's what it's about. <laughs> so you have your retreat <laughs> as, your, as something to remember. 
That, that, that's what we're wanting to bring in to our daily life. Isn't that remarkable that it really is possible? It really is possible for us. How many, how many here in the room have, have some sense of that in their lives? It's kind of this more of a, a vacation state, you know, where you really can feel more and more that relaxation in your mind. How many? Oh, good, great. I was a little concerned how many people... Great, I'm glad to see so many hands. Yeah, that's the, that's the practice. That's the fruit of the practice. doesn't have to be anything more esoteric than that. <laughs> yes. Question extending on the compassion pieces you were talking about. Um, so for cases that where you're not just thinking about you know, a person who may be sick or maybe struggling with whatever, but then it's the holidays or traveling to or going to be visiting somebody like that, then any thoughts about in the same way how... In most cases, it's not something that you can fix or not something that you can change, but how you can be with that or be helpful to them in a way that, well, is compassionate. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about being with people who are in some kind of a more difficult state? Yeah. You know, I, I think that it's very much the feeling of this compassion, you know, the, where we go into the heart and the feeling where you care. It's just that, you know, it's starting to really sense, do you care? Because oftentimes what might happen is we'll go a little unconscious. Whatever, you know, being around people who might be having some difficulties, you know, it's sometimes a little confronting or difficult for us to actually stay present, to stay awake. So, so it may be a practice, too, of, of really uh, of paying attention to how present can I be with this person? How much can I show up? with my heart open, without needing to fix, without needing to change it, without needing anything different to happen, which is the equanimity in the compassion. It's the equanimity piece where you're not needing to change anything and you can accept it the way it is. And then, you, and then, it, and then it's coming in with the heart where you care, and you're, but you're present. So, so much of, I mean, the holidays really in, in so many ways, whether we're celebrating joy or, or, there's, or there's pain, is can we be present with that? Because even with the joy, we can get caught in the um, excitement of it all and still lose our sense of presence and ground and awareness. So, so on both levels, whether it's joy or whether it's pain, where am I standing? Where am I standing? Am I here? Am I in my body? Am, am I on the ground? Am I breathing? Am I present? Am I connecting? Am I really in relationship with this person? And, so, and, and yet, so much the feeling is in the heart. Like it's, it's paying, you could actually direct your attention. It's another way of the directed thought, the directed attention, right in the heart. And it is, a, it is the heart area. It's like the chakra, the heart chakra. There's an energy center. We can feel it. And so we can just feel, am I in my heart? So it's another way of that reflecting, bringing in the reflective aspect. Where am I? Where am I? Because it's, you know, this is really for us this practice of staying present and connected. Not easy, right? Not easy. 
It's like all these, <laughs> all these tendencies, these habits, these strategies, like, I don't want to be here. <laughs> I want out of here. <laughs> right? Maybe not all of us, but I certainly know that one. <laughs> it's like, whoa. <laughs> so that can feel it all energetically. So maybe one more, and then we'll, we'll have to end this evening. Anything else? Yes. Oh, yes, the microphone. Yeah. <laughs> so um, when you were speaking about metta as the antidote to ill will, um, I actually really experienced that this summer when I was on a long retreat. And I had just like three months of... Um, real anger and ill will and uh, even like enemy images and things. And um, I have other ways of, you know, trying to understand what's going on and I was working with those. And, um, you know, it wasn't wasn't quite ending it. And uh, at some point I was able to actually start looking at my thinking patterns. Good. And that. Mm -hmm. And um, that was helpful. I was able to stop um, um, interpreting things. Uh-huh. So that was some help. But what you said about, well, it's also here in the heart. That's what I got. You know, my mind could stop, yeah. but my heart hadn't caught up. And I did a lot of metta, mm-hmm. which normally I, you know, metta wasn't my strong but I just started doing it for a long period of time that day and uh, forgiveness practice. And it was amazing. Beautiful. It totally left yeah. me. Yeah. So I really um, um, have come to a place of um, really trusting it. Yeah, so that's the and faith, the trustful confidence. Yeah. yeah. Yes. It, mm-hmm. it uh, turned, not only let go of me, but it went in the opposite direction. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. This is so power, you know, this is power. You know, the Buddha speaks about these as spiritual powers to turn the mind, to change the mind, transform the mind and heart. And what you're saying, you know, it just uh, validates it. We all have these kinds of experiences where when we, that's why the reflection is important to reflect on these kinds of things as you're doing tonight because that strengthens the confidence. It strengthens the confidence and gives energy to keep going. Keep going, keep going, because it's really possible to not only change our own consciousness to the higher mind, the prajna, but to change the world. I really fully believe that. So thank you. And thank you for, for coming this evening, and it's been a joy for me to share with you this holiday, this dark season. It's also the dark season, isn't it? <laughs> Oh, thank you so much, and I wish you um, many blessings for this coming new year, 2012, eh? <laughs> We've been waiting a long time. We'll see what happens. <laughs> thank you. Good night. Mm-hmm.